This morning we invite you to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. The book of Isaiah, chapter 1. We're going to be reading the first nine verses for your hearing. Isaiah, chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. <coughs> Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and purifying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers and the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of these verses. Our focus verse this morning will be verse number 9. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. My subject is a very small remnant. A very small remnant. The book of Isaiah opens with an identification of the type of material that it is. The audience, the name of the author, and the date of the proclamation. In verse number 1, it says the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos. Right off in the very beginning of the prophecy here, we're told of the nature of this. It is that of a vision. The vision of Isaiah. The visionary qualification of the message was extremely important, for it gave divine authority to what Isaiah said. As a prophet, what he prophesied to verify 
and to assure those to whom he was prophesying to that he was truly a prophet, what he prophesied had to come true. Isaiah was indeed a prophet uh, of the Lord and what he did prophesy did come to pass. He had all the authority uh, that he needed by that of the declaration of the prophecy and that prophecy coming true. Now the audience uh, to whom this vision was uh, given was the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem uh, primarily. There were uh, other groups uh, that he prophesied with regards to and they undoubtedly uh, knew about that of the prophecy. You note in verse number 1 there, he says, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah. Joseph, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. His audience was the inhabitants of Judah uh, and Jerusalem. Now, Judah was known as the southern kingdom, and Jerusalem was the capital. You remember the northern kingdom was taken captive before the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was totally wiped out. And the southern kingdom was left. And when Isaiah prophesied here in this uh, prophecy, the northern kingdom was still in existence. And in some places of that of the vision that is uh, given to us here through uh, Isaiah, uh, he does speak of that of the northern kingdom and that of the uh, Assyrians and how that they would, of course, come uh, and uh, take them and destroy them and bring many of them into uh, bondage, only leaving uh, just a very small number uh, behind. So his audience primarily was that of Judah and Jerusalem, but there were others who uh, in that of his prophesying, he prophesied of, and undoubtedly they heard of that prophecy. Now the date of the prophecy is given to us in verse 1. It was in the days of Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now Uzziah uh, was that of a good king. He brought the nation to its greatest days uh, since that of David and Solomon. Uh, Jothan was a good king. It was during that time uh, that he reigned that the Assyrian Empire uh, began to be uh, that of a great empire. Uh, and it was uh, during that time, of course, that Assyria became that of a great empire and then eventually came up against uh, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom also. Uh, 
Of course, when they came up against that of the southern kingdom, they had already uh, come through the northern kingdom and had basically destroyed uh, that of the inhabitants. Ahab was not that of a good king. Uh, He had political alliance that brought Judah into bondage to the Assyrians. Hezekiah was indeed a good king and he led the people back uh, to uh, the war. You can find uh, additional information about these kings uh, in that of the books that we have, 1st and 2nd Kings. Primarily it would be in that of the 2nd Book of Kings that we would find information upon uh, that of these kings. Isaiah opens his book with a series of sermons and these series of sermons are a denouncing of the personal sins of the people and not only of the people uh, uh, as individuals but also as that of a nation Uh, Isaiah Uh, He called upon the people to repent. They had gone away from the Lord. Now, in verses 2 through 8, or 2 through 9, Isaiah sets forth a vision. And it's pictured as that of a courtroom with that of the plaintiff the accused and the charges that the plaintiff makes against that of the ones who are being accused in verse number 2 says hear O heavens and give ear O earth for the Lord has spoken I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. The plaintiff is the Lord or Jehovah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Now you may wonder why that as we uh, read this verse that the heavens and the earth is called upon to hear. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, we have what is known as that of the second giving of the law. In that book, we are told of that of the covenant that God made uh, with that of the nation of Israel. And if you remember back in Exodus even, uh, when uh, Moses uh, came down off the mount and uh, he came to the people, the people uh, agreed uh, that they would obey the Lord, that they would keep uh, uh, that which the Lord uh, had uh, commanded. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, at the very end of the book, uh, the Lord He calls upon heaven and earth uh, with regards to that of this covenant 
that had been made with that of the nation of Israel uh, called upon them uh, as that of witnesses with regards to this covenant. And so here in Isaiah, uh, we have Isaiah the prophet and we have the Lord as a plaintiff against that of Israel who is that of the accused. And here we see that heaven and earth is called upon once again as that of witnesses, as those who had witnessed that of the covenant that had been made between the Lord and the nation of Israel, uh, that Israel had gone away from the Lord, had rebelled against that of Jehovah. He says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. What has He spoken? He says, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against Me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. All sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Here, charges are made against that of Judah, that of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, later on down in uh, verse number 10, uh, the rulers and the people are going to be addressed in particular. But here we see that these charges here are made. They're made against that of Judah and that of the city of Jerusalem. The inhabitants. And what are what are these uh, uh, charges? Well, as we look down through these verses, we can list a few of them. Ungratefulness. Note in verse number three, or verse number two, he says, "Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me." Here, the Lord, as He speaks through Isaiah the prophet and brings His charge against that of Judah and Jerusalem, uh, He speaks of them uh, as that of uh, children. Uh, children whom He had nourished, whom He had taken care of, had cared of. Remember back in Exodus, Israel was spoken of as a son, the Lord's son. Israel, in particular here, that of the southern kingdom now, Judah and Jerusalem. God had been very gracious, but they rebelled against Him. In verse 3 it says, The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. 
but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Rebellion and even a lack of acknowledging that of the Lord Himself. Note in particular verse number 3, the ox knoweth the owner and his master's crib. And he asks his master's crib. Dumb animals is what is spoken of here. But Israel does not know. My people does not consider. They do not know. They don't even acknowledge me. They don't acknowledge me as that of their owner. They don't acknowledge me as that of their master. I'm the one who created them, who brought them into existence. Who is indeed that of their creator and maker, their sovereign creator and maker. In verse 4, all sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. The Lord had told His people, Israel, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And what did they do? They forsook Him. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backwards. They've turned away. They've turned their backs upon the Lord. In verse 5, why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even under the heart, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and beautifying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land your land, strangers devour it in your presence and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Oh, the Lord had dealt with them. Yes, the Lord had dealt with them. And there, were, there had been great consequences. Great consequences. Well, then we come to verse number 9, which is that of our focus text this morning. 
except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. The first thing that I would like to draw your attention to in regards to that of our focus text is that word remnant. We told you our subject this morning was a very small remnant. What is a remnant? What is a remnant? A remnant, according to the dictionary, is a fragment or scrap. That's one definition that it gives. A small un, unused piece of cloth, lace, that which is left over. We all know what a remnant is. I'm sure. It's the leftovers. We may go out and buy carpet and when they come to bring the carpet, uh, they lay it down upon that of the floors in the house. There is going to be that of leftovers. Remnants of carpet. Some are going to be very, very small pieces of the carpet where they have uh, cut it up against that of the baseboard. But in some cases, there may be that of a piece of carpet that has to be cut. And the only way it can be cut is for that of a larger piece to be cut off of it for that of the piece that is needed for it to be the right size. And of course, that is a rather large piece or leftover, perhaps. Or we might go to a carpet store and we might like a piece of carpet that they have and they only have just a piece of it. It's a remnant. It's a leftover from that of a roll of carpet. And we ask what the size is and the size, ah, oh, it fits. It's more than enough to take care of that of the room that we plan to use it in. It's the leftover from that of something of another piece that had been used by somebody else. God pictures Judah as a ravaged battlefield here in that of our passage. And only a remnant or a smaller part of the whole nation surviving. 
Note what the text says. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. The remnant in that of our text is none other than that of inhabitants of Judah and that of Jerusalem. They're ones who are left, left from that of those who had come in and who had taken the land, who had conquered it, who had ravaged that of the land. And for the most part, the people had been taken or killed. But there was a remnant that was left behind. The remnant was the people that was left behind. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. What was being spoken of here? We all know Sodom and Gomorrah. We know all that took place there. Prior to that of its destruction and that of the destruction of it and that of the afterwards part of it. What is being said here is, is that had it not been for the Lord, we would have been like that of Sodom and Gomorrah that was totally wiped off the face of the earth. Ah, except, except the Lord of hosts. Ah, where would we be, beloved, if it wasn't for the Lord? Where would we be? We see there was an exception here. There was a number of people that were not destroyed. And the prophet Isaiah, as he sees this vision and he foretells it, he says, except the Lord, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, there would have been nothing left. There would have not been nothing left. The only reason for the remnant was the Lord, His grace, His favor being shown to the few. God has had His remnant throughout history. The remnant being His people. We're told in Hebrews, the 11th chapter of the remnant. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the prophets, and on and on 
it goes there in the book of Hebrews. We call it that of the hall of fame for that of those who were heroes of faith. Well, beloved, it is indeed that, but it also displays that of God's remnant. God's choice people. Paul in Romans chapter 11, he speaks of the remnant. In Romans chapter 11, he writes, I say then, has God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away His people, which He foreknew. Right? Or know ye not what the Scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to grace. There Paul was speaking of that of, of Israel, the Jewish people in particular. And he said, God hasn't forgotten that of His people. No, he says, there, there is indeed a remnant, a remnant of grace. A remnant, a chosen people. So God's remnant, God's people, God's chosen people, God's chosen people by grace. As I was thinking about this, And that of the idea of a remnant. A remnant is a part of the greater whole. And beloved, as we think of that of Adam's race, ah, uh, his descendants, multitudes. And beloved, out of that of Adam's race, God in His sovereignty, in that of His love, and that of His grace, He saw fit to show it to some. Now I realize there are those who have a problem with this teaching. But beloved, as we think about that of the picture which is before us here in that of Isaiah, these ones that Isaiah speaks of here, this remnant, they were a part of the whole also. Beloved, 
They were a part of the whole also. That of Judah, that of Jerusalem. It was from that of Jerusalem, from that of Judah, that the Lord showed His grace to some. He would have been just had He not shown His grace to any. And Paul deals with that over in Romans chapter 9. Now this remnant is described here as a very small remnant. A very small remnant. And beloved, as we think of that of the teaching of Scripture, God's remnant in comparison to that of the whole is also small. And yet it is a multitude as we see over in the book of Revelation chapter 7 that no man can number. Jesus said straight the narrow way leads to life and few there be that find it. This remnant. What is the character of it? Well, there's many characteristics that could be given. But there's a few that we want to just draw your attention to this morning. And the first one that we want to draw your attention to is is that those who make up this remnant, they worship the true God. They worship the true God. We read from Romans chapter 11 already. The account there in Romans chapter 11 where the Apostle Paul speaks of that of Elijah and the fact that there was a remnant of grace is found over in, I believe, 1st or 2nd Kings chapter 18, 17, 18, 19 there about. Elijah he told the, those who were false worshipers in that of his day they had gathered choose you who you'll serve and we know that there was a great exchange there God revealing himself in fire of course the Baal worshippers, they couldn't get their God to do anything because their God isn't a God. But afterwards, Elijah, he had a woman to get after him. And he ran. 
And he wound up in that of a cave thinking that he was the only one. Which happens to like us sometimes today. We think we're the only ones. And the Lord spoke to that of Elijah and he says, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. He says there's a remnant. A remnant that have not bowed their knees to the veil. There is a number of people who have not bowed. No, they worship me. Secondly, those who are the remnant not only do they worship the true God, they love the true God and they love His Word. The psalmist David, one of the remnant, know what he says, Oh, how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Those who are of the remnant, they love God. They love His Word. Another place in Psalm 119, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. All throughout that of Psalm 119, you find the psalmist David speaking with regards to that of the word, the commandments, the statutes, and how that he loves them. Those, those who are of the remnant, they love God, they love His Word. Those who are of the remnant, they walk with God. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God. Took him, we're told. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. As we think of that of Enoch and we think of that of Noah, they were indeed that of a remnant, beloved. They were a number that was a number that was few in comparison to that of the multitudes that were upon the face of the earth. They walked with God. They were in a right relationship with God and they walked with God. Not only do the ones who make up the remnant walk with God, they fear God. They fear God. The book of Malachi, chapter 3, a very precious passage. It says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before Him, for them that feared the Lord and that brought thought upon His name. 
And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spared his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. The Lord here, through the prophet Malachi, says the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. He says, They shall be mine. They shall be mine. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them. Those who are of this remnant, they are obedient. They are obedient to the Lord. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, and yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of the house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Genesis 7, verse 5. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for, lo, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Those who are of the remnant, they obey the Lord. They believe and they trust in Him. We come to the New Testament for this one. The Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, writes, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. The Apostle Paul believed and he trusted in the Lord. Lastly, I'd like for us to think about the future of the remnant. The future of the remnant. I would say to you that the remnant has a bright bright future with hope. Just as our text speaks of the remnant being delivered, those who are the Lord's remnant will be delivered. They were delivered from that of the destruction that came upon the land. The remnant of Isaiah's day. They were delivered. Whereas, had it not been for the Lord, they would have been like that of Sodom and Gomorrah, we're told. Well, beloved, as we come to the New Testament, the antitype of that, that picture is a picture of that of the hope that we as God's people have. One day, beloved, we will also be delivered from that of Sodom and Gomorrah, this wicked world, as part of the remnant, that very small remnant. 
Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faith is not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Oh, beloved, yes, the remnant has that of a bright future. You go to the book of Revelation and Revelation speaks of that glorious day when we will forever be with the Lord. We'll walk the streets of gold. First Thessalonians, where we've been for the past several weeks, Paul closed that first chapter with these words. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Are you a part of that remnant? Have you entered the straight and narrow? It's those who have. Those who have that make up the remnant. They have entered in the straight and narrow way. And they're not turning back. They're not turning back. Those are going forward. Trusting in God. A very small remnant. You know, small? Small in comparison to that of the whole. But as I said in Revelation 7, a number that no man can number. Alright, let us stand. On the back of your bulletin we have a hymn that we've sung here many times. <coughs>